Welcome to the Philosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host, Jamie Monroe. How's it going, everybody? Really excited to be back for the Philosophy Podcast, the in-season edition with PLL Chaos head coach Andy Towers talking about week seven of the NCAA Division I lacrosse season. AT, how's it going, man? Uh, it's going well. How about you? Doing well. Did you have a good weekend? Uh, it was real good. We had uh, a sixth grade scrimmage versus Garden City. How did James Towers do? Uh, James Towers had a good game, played hard. Uh, and most importantly, uh, all of the players on our team played a sort of blue collar style of game where there was proactive energy. Uh, our attackmen were riding. Our defense was absolutely relentless. Uh, great off the ground. Our middies played both ends of the field. Our goalie was phenomenal and our faceoff guy was phenomenal. So um, while uh, I just feel that when you get kids that play really, really hard when the ball's on the ground, getting back in the hole on defense, making the right play with consistency, you feel good about the result, whether you win or lose. Um, and so it was a great, great venue to play in. We were fortunate. Joe Abarici came out and spoke to uh, the sixth grade teams from Garden City and New Canaan, gave an unbelievably good talk about being tough guys and what that means. And he talked about uh, at Army, they're looking for tough guys and not tough guys in the way where you're looking for guys that knock people down, but tough guys as athletes are guys that go 100%, 100% of the time, whether the coaches are watching or not. And um, tough guys in the classroom do the same thing. There's no coasting. If you think you can get a 90 on a test, without studying, tough guys study and get 100. And then he spoke about tough guys off the field, just in being, you know, an everyday person and how tough guys are inclusive. I loved that message, yeah. uh, you know, and, and how if you see a kid in the hallway and you're with your friends and he doesn't look like you and it doesn't act like you, you know, tough guys go and include him. And when his friends give him shit about why are you hanging with that kid, tough guys say, shut up. He's with us. He's with me. I, it was just an unbelievably strong message that not enough kids hear today. In my opinion, there's so much crap out there. And to hear a guy of that stature, Joe Abarici, speak to the team as bluntly and as clearly as he did, you can see how locked in both the kids and the coaches from both teams were when Joe spoke to, uh, to us before the scrimmage. So that was really awesome. And then we stayed and watched uh, – the Colgate Army game, which I just can't get over how fast these guys are now and, and how smooth they are and how skilled they are. It's really a different game than when you and I played. There's no question about it. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, man. The Philocrosophy Podcast is brought to you in part by the JM3 Coaches Training Program. 
If you are a coach interested in sharpening your saw, like so many of the guests on the show, you are going to love the content in this program. Go to www.jm3coaches.com for more information. So everybody, we got a little bit of a different model today. Instead of just going through a slate of games, um, it's midseason, and we're going to take a look at AT's Week 7 Top 20, which generated uh, a lot of uh, interest and controversy on Twitter. So let, let's, let's kick it off with UMass, number 20. You're on the clock. All right, UMass is 6-3. and three. I put them number 20. Uh, in my poll, uh, at this point, UMass doesn't have any top 20 wins, but they have three top 20 losses, which are all three of their losses. I had them slightly ahead of North Carolina, Georgetown, and Delaware. Um, again, I, I feel like this is a team that's starting to hit its stride, and um, I, I feel good about them at number 20. They, so. they really – handled Brown. Um, you know, Brown had come off a bad loss to an up, upstart uh, Holy Cross and a really close, uh, heartbreaking loss to Virginia. Probably were feeling like they were a pretty good team, and then UMass just hammered them. Yeah, I mean, UMass, is, UMass is, has three losses, as we said, one by one goal to Army, four goals to Ohio State, one goal to Yale. They had Yale, for all intents and purposes, dead, although close games don't do anything for me. But still, I had them slightly ahead of North Carolina, Georgetown, and Delaware for spot number 20. All right. Next, Lehigh. Uh, yep. I had number 19, Lehigh. They have one top 20 win over Army by three. And again, when I say top 20 wins, this is reflective of last week's poll. Uh, obviously, the new poll came out this morning. But Lehigh is playing really well. They have a high-quality win top, over top 20, number 18, Army from last week. They do have a bad loss to out of the top 20 Hofstra and then to what I would consider good losses to Virginia and Cornell. They play BU next. Uh, I have them firmly in there at 19. Number 18, Richmond. To me, Richmond uh, slightly ahead of Lehigh with their win over last week's number 11, Notre Dame by one goal. They also have a bad loss defined by a loss out of the top 20 in Mount St. Mary's by one. Their two other losses are by Maryland and Duke. Uh, Richmond's playing well. I feel confident about their placement at 18. Johns Hopkins Blue Jays, number 17. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not that impressed with Hopkins. Um, you know, last week, their only, their only high-quality win is over last week's number 19, North Carolina, by one. But they've played a really tough schedule, and they have no bad losses. They've lost to number eight, Towson, number six, Loyola, number 12, Syracuse, and number nine, Virginia. Uh, with no bad losses and one top 20 win, obviously they've played a tough schedule. Feel good about them at 17. What would you think about the Virginia-Hopkins game real quick? I think Virginia's a team that could win the national championship. Um, they're playing better and better. Lars discussed how they are improving on the defensive end. And they're throwing out, you know, three, four players on the offensive end that pretty much can get them to 13 goals, it seems like, with their, with their eyes closed. And it seems like they're starting to gel a little bit better. Certainly the emergence of Michael Krause being healthy has changed their team in a very, very good way. And this is a team that seemingly is, is gaining more and more momentum as the season progresses. Uh, which is going to be critical in April through their ACC schedule and on to the playoffs in May. Number 16, Statesman of Hobart. 
Uh, this one is a little tough to justify, but I'm putting them up there. Uh, Hobart doesn't have any top 20 wins. Their only loss was to last week's number five, Cornell. Um, and that was by three goals. But again, with no losses, uh, no high quality losses and no wins, they're at 16. Uh, maybe a little bit of a gift for me, but um, I have them at 16. Number 15, Penn Quakers. This was a team that I was down on for the first couple weeks of the season. Fact is, they played an unbelievably strong strength of schedule. Uh, they got a huge top 20 win this week with last week's number five, Cornell. To beat them 16-15 up in Ithaca is, is really unbelievable. In their four-game winning streak, they only have losses to number four, Maryland, number one, Penn State, number two, Duke. This is a team that just is, is seemingly getting better and better as the week goes on. And I was not a believer of them, but after this win, which you called and I copycatted last week, um, I feel good about Penn at 15. They got a huge game coming up this week with Yale. They, they can score goals. You know, they've got, they've got a bunch of guys scoring goals and they can win faceoffs. They can, but I don't think they win faceoffs this week against TDI. All right. Number 14. Fighting Irish. Yep, I got them at four and three, barely, uh, barely just behind High Point. They have two really high quality wins, beating Maryland by a goal and Denver by three goals. But they have a out of top twenty loss to Richmond, uh, and then two high quality losses: one to Virginia by two, and one to Ohio State by one. At Notre Dame is, you know, again, I think they have enough to win the national championship, but they just seem like offensively they've had trouble holding on to leads they gave away a big lead against Virginia they gave away a big lead to Ohio State both ended up in tough losses for them you know they close out those games and you're looking at probably the number one team in the country at six and one with their lone loss being into Richmond so you know we're going to find out I think Notre Dame's going to be in good shape but I got them at 14. So you call Richmond an out of top 20 loss for them but they are 18. Again my I all of my top 20 wins and losses are defined by last week's poll right so last week the US ILA poll Richmond was not in the top 20 so that's considered an out of top 20 loss when I do my body of work poll on Sunday nights got it all right high point number 13 high point right here just above Notre Dame they have two high quality wins uh, in Duke and Virginia but they have two really bad losses to St. John's and Jacksonville, two teams out of the top 20. So they've shown the propensity to play very, very well. And they've also shown that they can play not so well. So, um, but they do have two wins over Duke and Virginia who are playing really, really well right now. Um, so I feel good with them at 13. So you're saying their two losses aren't as bad as Notre Dame's one loss even though they were definitely – those Notre Dame, are not even scratching the surface of top 20. Notre Dame yeah. is – I think, I, I think a, loss, a loss out of the top 20 offsets a win in the top 20. So you're looking at well, high, two top 20 wins and two out-of-conference losses, right? So yeah. they're even. Yeah. You've got Notre Dame – I'm sorry. Yeah, you've got, Notre Dame, you've got Notre Dame with two top 20 wins, two top 20 losses – and an out-of-conference loss, or out-of-top-20 out of loss. So, essentially, they're both flat, but I just like the fact that 
High Point has slightly better wins, in my opinion, with Duke and Virginia uh, over Maryland and Denver. Wait, so Notre Dame lost two outside of the top 20? Thus Richmond? Notre Dame's lost to Ohio State, Virginia, and Richmond. Yeah. And so High Point. Three losses, lost. and you're just calling the one outside. Got it. All right. Yes. Uh, Army, number 12. You saw them in person this week. Yeah, I was very impressed with this team. They have a high-quality top 20 win over UMass. They only have two losses, each of the top 20 teams, Syracuse and Lehigh. Uh, Army is probably where they should be, right at 12. How did their offense look? I feel like their defense and athleticism are great. Uh, if they can score goals, they can be scary. I, I thought their offense looked good. They scored 13 goals on Colgate. They moved the ball really, really well. They seem to know who they are on the offensive end. While they're a little young up front, um, I, was, I was impressed with the team. Number 11, Cornell. Cornell, uh, they've got two top 20 wins over Towson and Lehigh. Um, and they have three high-quality losses, right? All to top 20 teams, Penn State, Yale, and Penn. Um, Cornell better, better figure out who they are at the X. I, I'm so surprised that they're getting beaten up this bad. I shouldn't say I'm not surprised because um, – but because they've lost to some good guys. Obviously, um, you know, Gallagher at Penn, Ireland at Yale, Arcieri at Penn State. Uh, they actually got beat up by Woodall, but played well and beat Towson. So we'll see what happens. I think Cornell and Notre Dame are on a collision course where the loser might be done and not make the playoffs. I think each team is happy that that game is on their schedule. And I think that each team is fearful that losing that game may end up keeping them out of the playoffs. So we'll see. Number 10, Ohio State Buckeyes. This was, uh, I had them ranked 10 and I caught an error today in my calculations. When I had them at 10 yesterday, I did not count their win over number 20 UMass as a high quality win. It was an administrative oversight. So in hindsight, if I had to do this over today, I would have them up at four, but to defend where I have them at 10, you know, they haven't played a, a tough schedule. And even though they have two top 20 wins, they haven't played anybody else in the top 20. And so two high quality wins is great. I, again, I would probably put them up at, up at four uh, in catching this, this error. But for my poll yesterday, I had them at 10 because I had them only really having one top 20 win, but indeed they have two with Notre Dame and UMass, no losses. Loyola Greyhounds. Uh, Loyola, again, right there. Two top 20 wins over Virginia and Hopkins and two top 20 losses to Towson and Duke. I think that they uh, have played four top 20 teams and they're two and two in those games. Nine's the right spot for them. Love it. Denver at number eight. Right, Denver's right with Loyola. Again, two top 20 wins. They've beaten Towson and North Carolina and they've lost to Duke and Notre Dame. Uh, they're in the same, same sort of position. I just feel like, you know, they have, I, I, gave, I gave them a slight advantage over, over, uh, over Loyola because I just feel like their losses are probably um, a little better. I mean, they, they lost to Duke by one. Loyola got trounced by Duke. Right. So that, that's the difference for me. How about Syracuse getting it done again? Coming in at number seven, huge W yesterday against Duke. 
Yeah, they're they're doing really well. After that tough opening season loss to Colgate, they're five and one. They have three top twenty wins, beating Army by two, Hopkins by four, Duke by one. What a comeback win that was yesterday! Showed a ton of balls. Uh, they do have what is amounting to be a bad loss to Colgate, which is out of the top twenty. I think they're three and five right now, and that that's dragging them down a little bit. And then they have obviously that tough loss to Virginia in overtime. So uh, I. Again, Syracuse, I, I feel good about them at seven in the country. I think that's fair. Towson, you know, a couple of weeks ago, number one in the country, a um, couple of losses. And um, are they coming back to earth, or do you feel like that they're going to be a, a team that's, you know, uh, a championship contender all the way through? I think they're going to be a championship contender all the way through. Where I did feel that they were absolutely in the top four a few weeks ago, uh, a couple of tough losses recently to Duke and Denver have brought them down to earth. However, I think Duke and Denver are firmly in the top eight. And, you know, Towson at five and three, they have three top 20 wins. Georgetown, Loyola, and Hopkins, they have three top 20 losses. Cornell, Duke, and Denver, they've played a really, really tough schedule. And at five and three with three top 20 wins, they justify being number six. Number five, Maryland Terrapins. Yep. They're, uh, you know, eight and one. I know a lot of people were clamoring over them not being ranked higher. Fact is, they have two, only two top 20 wins in Penn in UNC, and they have one top 20 loss to Notre Dame. They haven't played that tough a schedule. They played three top 20 teams, and they're two and one in those games. I think five is good. With that said, they may be playing the best of any team out there right now. They, they, they may be the best team in the country, but in terms of their season long body of work, Jamie, I got them at five. Number four, Penn State. Same exact sort of breakdown. They're seven and one. They've played three top 20 teams. They're two and one in those games with wins over Cornell by six and Penn by one. They lost to Yale by one. So they have the same sort of uh, body of work as Maryland does. But I like their win over higher ranked Cornell uh, to put them slightly ahead of Maryland, whose who's other top 20 win is over North Carolina. So Maryland has beaten Cornell and Penn. Uh, Right. I'm sorry. Penn State has beaten Cornell and Penn. Maryland's beaten Penn and North Carolina. So I have uh, Penn State ranked slightly ahead of Maryland. We're going to find out what happens this weekend when they play Sunday night. And so you would have Ohio State at four. I would. Ohio State, Jamie, should be ahead of Penn State and Maryland just for the fact that all three teams have top 20 wins but Penn State and Maryland have a top 20 loss where Ohio State does not have that loss. Now, Ohio State hasn't played three top 20 teams like Penn State and Maryland, but they have played two and they have the same amount of wins. So in hindsight, if I had to do this over, I would plug Ohio State in right there at four. Number three, Yale Bulldogs. Number three is Yale. Uh, they have three top 20 win wins. They've played Penn State. They won UMass, Cornell. Uh, but they do have a bad loss, and that's to out of top 20 Villanova. And so with three top 20 wins and one out of the top 20 loss, again, uh, I, I don't think they justify one of the top two spots, but I feel good about them right there at three. UVA getting it done. Yeah, UVA uh, is one of two teams that I had as clearly one and two based on their season-long body of work. They've played 
arguably the toughest schedule in the country this year, playing, playing six top 20 teams. They have four top 20 wins. They're one of two teams with four top 20 wins. They've beaten Syracuse, Lehigh, Notre Dame, and Hopkins. And their two losses are both strong losses in top 20 teams, Loyola and High Point. So, you know, with four top 20 wins and two top 20 losses, playing six top 20 teams, clearly they're deserving of the number two spot and have an argument for the number one spot. The Philocrosophy Podcast is made possible in part by the JM3 Video Assessment Tool. There is no question that video is critical to player development. One way or another, your son or daughter must utilize video to learn their game and the game. To learn more, see video testimonials, or register, go to www.jm3sports.com forward slash video right now. And number one, even though they lost yesterday, the Duke yeah. Blue Devils. A lot of people hated this position. They they were, you know, heckling me with great job. You know, Duke lost today. You have a number one, you fool. And I get it. Listen, I, I get it. For the uneducated viewer, I can get how you would that would evoke that type of response. But again, as I've stated many times, my poll is based on season-long body of work. And Duke, along with only Virginia, has played six top 20 teams. They've beaten four of them, number 13, Denver number six, Loyola, number 17, Penn, number eight, Towson. Their losses are to High Point and Syracuse. Fact is, only them in Virginia have played six top 20 teams, and they're four and two in those games. And I look at those two teams, and I say, all right, well, Virginia beat Syracuse, and Duke lost to Syracuse. Why wouldn't Virginia be ahead of Duke? But then I go to the Loyola game, and I say, you know what? Duke's beaten Loyola by five, and Virginia lost to Loyola by eight. To me, that uh, overpowered the Syracuse game. And so that's why I have Duke still at number one at eight and two. Awesome. I think, you know, listen, everyone's going to have their opinions. And, and, and that's the whole, the whole point of it is to give people their opinions. Um, but it was great to get your breakdown on this. Um, there was a lot of great games this past week. Um, if we wanted to touch on a couple of them, um, what were your thoughts on uh, Hopkins UVA game? I watched that game, and I'll tell you, it's uh, UVA is they're they're really scary, you know. And, and I've been down on them, you know, all all year. Uh, you know, they started slowly, and I've felt that they've gotten lucky in these games. That's the way I felt. But at some point, you got to say, you know what? Three overtime wins. They've played a they played arguably the toughest schedule in the country to date and they're four and two in those games and they're finding a way to pull these games out. You know, Michael Krause not being healthy was clearly a hindrance early in the year and clearly he's healthy now. He looks like an old self right there in the conversation with the best attackman in the country. You've got Docs Aitken, Matt Moore, Ian Laviano. Um, you know, this is a team that offensively may end up being the scariest offensive team in the country. And they're, and they're still kind of getting their feet underneath them. So I wasn't surprised. I, I know I picked Hopkins last week in this game, and I just felt like Hopkins finds a way to win these games, particularly in the fact that, you know, it's up in Baltimore and, and, and Virginia had played so many close games and come back from, from big deficits. But in the end, Virginia just had too much firepower. They're too athletic. You know, and, and while Hopkins gave them a fight, Virginia, to me, 
you give that offense the ball enough and, and they're going to beat you. They just are. You know, the teams that stack up against Virginia that would be really tough outs for Virginia to survive against are the teams that are going to really beat them up at the X. You know, you look at, to me, Penn State, Yale, Maryland. Um, you know, th those are the teams, potentially Towson, but Maryland, those are the teams that Virginia are going to struggle with. Teams where Virginia can go, you know, 45% plus at the X, Virginia's going to probably beat those teams because they have so much firepower. How about the Notre Dame-Ohio State game? Notre Dame, you know, has given up a couple five-goal leads um, in their last few games. Um, huge win for the Buckeyes. Not, you know, the, the Buckeyes haven't beaten Notre Dame very many times in program history. No. It was huge. I, I, was, I was shocked by the fact that Notre like they, I guess they had said Ohio State had won in South Bend I want to say they said since 2004. That might be incorrect, but that just I just remember thinking, wow, that's a really, really long time. Yeah. Ohio State looks to be a very complete team. You've been singing their praises for a long time, and you know they go down big early. I think they were down 7-2 at one point in this game. And you would think that Notre Dame would close these games out. I think we all consider Notre Dame to be one of the one of the best coach teams in the country, yet they threw away a big lead against Virginia. They threw away a big lead against Ohio State, and you just can't figure out what is wrong. But they, they don't seem to have the poise to finish these games down the stretch. Do they stop playing? Do they get tight? I, I, I can't – I don't know. You know, I just I, – I, I feel like I need to watch them play some more to figure it out. But I just – for a team that's been in so many close games, you know, in recent history, you would think that they would finish them off with more consistency. And they had two really good teams dead in the water in Virginia and Ohio State the last couple of weeks, and they haven't been able to get that done. So, um, you know, they have the ACC games coming up. They've got Cornell left on their schedule with wins over, Notre with wins over um, Maryland and Denver. I feel like they need – at least one ACC win and or a win over Cornell for them to, to make it into the playoffs. And if they, if, they, if they learn how to finish these games from the offensive standpoint a little bit better, this is a team that could win the whole thing. They could. You know, they're, they're right there. But what a dejecting way to lose. And you got to give credit to Nick Myers. I think I read that it was his 100th win. That he's 170 as the head coach at Ohio State. And – you know, he's, he's done an unbelievable job. I mean, I know, I know that you've been a, a huge proponent of him and the job that him, he and his staff have done out there. And certainly uh, they're 7-0, only undefeated D1 team. So we'll see. Yeah, they're buttoned up. Like, I, like I, what I've said about them is when they're athletic enough, you know, they're going to compete for a national championship. And yeah. that was going to be the question. I mean, they're one of the teams. They're they, one of the teams. They've got the skill, you know, um, with Jasinski um, creating – and uh, LeClaire shooting, and they, and they got a bunch of other pieces and parts. And they, they, really know how, they really know how to put their players in positions to be successful. And I think that that is something that, you know, Nick is so good about. But they're, they're so buttoned up in, in everything they do. you got to go to a practice to be able to fully understand it. You sit in a meeting with them, okay? Every day before practice, they got a meeting with their ops guys, you know, with the field guys, with the strength coach, with the trainers, with all the assistants, 
making sure that everything is laid out so everything is their their practices are are are, are, are like an event okay and and it's like it's amazing how they go through every detail of what they do so it's no surprise um, right. they they have such a strong culture of development as the whole person as well as development they develop their players their players add stuff to their repertoire um the high you know cutting edge skills so it's really it's really been impressive um tough weekend for the heels uh maryland looked great north carolina really struggled at the x which which may have really skewed their ability to be competitive in this game but any thoughts on that one yeah, I, I thought North Carolina would play them better. I thought Maryland would win. I wanted North Carolina to win. I thought Jack Tucci would – I thought they would compete better at the X for it to be 19-3 to at one point in that game in terms of the advantage winning faceoffs for Maryland. You know, Austin Hanson going 22 for 26. I think that was – those were his final numbers. You know, you can't give that team – you can't give that offense a team with that many dangerous weapons on the offensive end who's hitting its stride, clearly is hitting its stride across the board. You, you, you lose that many faceoffs to that team, and you're going to be in trouble. I, I also don't love North Carolina in the cage. Um, you know, those are the two areas that I think felt a little bit better. Certainly at the X, felt much better about them yeah. going into the year. And they've had more success. I mean, Zach Tucci's had a good year for all intents and purposes, but – this game, he got he got his ass kicked, and 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 you know you you give Maryland that many possessions, it's going to be one sided, and it was. Yeah, in Maryland, you know, to their credit, they're kind of known as this uh, team that plays great defense, and their offense, you know, plays slow, um, but they, they they play smart and they move they the ball smart. very well. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about a huge win for Denver over Towson. I mean, this was a, a win that. Denver kind of needed to have because they're not going to have that many chances, you know, losing that Ohio state opportunity to the, to the huge snowstorm um, last week, and then be able to play a top 10 team and, and have a chance for a win. Denver known for its offense under offensive coordinator, Matt Brown comes through with a seven, six win. And you can see their defense this year in the games that I've watched. I've been so impressed with the way they're playing defense with their athleticism, their size, uh, their discipline, uh, Coach Orson and obviously Coach Tierney uh, really getting that done. Yeah, look, the, the goal is to win the game. That's the goal. And you can look at the fact that Denver isn't scoring as much as they've scored in recent years. But they beat Towson by one. They beat Carolina by two. They only have two losses, one to Duke and one to Notre Dame. And they're five and two. They're nine in the country. They're clearly in the group of schools that could win the national championship this year. And, you know, they're not winning face-offs the way that they've won face-offs in the past. So they probably have to play a little more conservatively in their decision-making on the offensive end, where in years past, when you know you're going to get the ball 80% of the time, you can play a little more freewheeling. You can take more risks, which leads to – you know, looser play and, 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 and probably more fun and, and higher, higher goal counts. Um, but let's not forget the fact that they were, you know, clearly in control of that Duke game going into the fourth quarter, lost. Uh, and, and you got to credit Duke for that. But, you know, I'm not worried about Matt Brown. I'm not worried yeah. about Denver. This is a team that 
you know, again, if they're able to win game seven, six after, you know, many, many seasons of winning games, 18 to 12, this just shows that their coaches are, uh, you know, in tune with who they need to be to win on game day. And, and this is a team that I think is going to be hard to beat moving ahead. No doubt. And, and, and one of Matt Brown's trademarks is player development. They're, they're players, a, a lot like Duke. You know, their players get better all year long because they keep working on specific things that, you know, just like Ohio State, they just keep getting better. They develop their players. And right. so, uh, you know, the, the, the people that really focus on player development, I don't care what level it is, whether it's youth, high school, or college, you, you just have to continue to get better. And the easiest way to get better is, is to get, have your players all individually get better at stuff so that they can do it together. So I agree. All right, it's time now for the Oxia Time Ivy League report. Oxiatime.com is the website. John Canaris, uh, former Penn player, was the, the goalie at Penn in the late 80s, won a couple Ivy championships, made it to the Final Four, had the uh, opportunity to be the goalie in the Final Four and to be dunked on by Gary Gate in the air game. <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny. I was at the convention and, and I was, you know, uh, basically introducing him to someone. I was like, oh, it's John Canaris. Yeah, he, he got dunked on by Gary in the air gate. Everybody knows. You know, it just puts it into context real quick. You know exactly who the guy was. Um, so the, um, the, uh, the, these, these watches, they, they sponsor our podcast. And we're really lucky to have a sponsor because we just kind of got this going. And I've been so pumped up about my Oxia timepiece with my brown logo with the little with the shield um and it is um it, it it's it's not like this ostentatious logo or ostentatious watch it is just really pretty classy really nice um and uh i recommend that anybody go to oxyadheim.com to check it out um I'm, I'm like really grateful that john who's really passionate about watches has given us this opportunity to talk about his watches, and to create the Oxia Time Ivy League report and Oxia Time Ivy League Player of the Year, a uh, Player of the Week that will become an Oxia Time Player of the Year. Um, so, uh, Andy, any thoughts on, uh, on this timepiece from your end? Yeah, I, I really love it. I, I, I got the heavy band, and it is, again, such a nice watch, something that you can wear with the heavy band and it seems like you could wear it to formal events. Uh, John actually sent me the more casual bands in black and red that I received this past week. And so you can uh, match it up with your outfits. You can, I can match it up with my tube tops and my, uh, my Santa hat and everything. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a fashionable onslaught is what it's going to be, Jamie. You gotta bring. You gotta wear it. Um, are you gonna get to any Brown games where you can wear your watch? I'm hoping to get to the Brown Pen game, which I believe is not this Saturday, but the following Saturday, which celebrates the 25th anniversary for the first Brown team to make it to the Final Four. That was the David Evans led team from 1994. Uh, where we lost 10-7 to Princeton, who ended up going on to win the national championship that year. But I'm hoping to wear it up to that event. So if we're going to do an Oxia Time Ivy League flashback, you and I both coached 
as assistant coaches for uh, the, the former Yale coach, Mike Waldvogel. And for those of you guys who don't know Mike Waldvogel, he is literally one of the smartest coaches you could ever be around. Um, and he taught almost through osmosis because he never really understood what the hell the guy was talking about. But somehow he got his defenses to play unbelievable defense. He got his offenses to overachieve. Um, and, uh, I, you know, we both, we both have been, you know, when I first got the job at Yale, I, I was 23 years old. I was the only coach at the time, okay? I was the offensive coordinator. I had no business really being an offensive coordinator at 23, but I was. And all I did was I learned, you know, the hang-up game that you see out of, like, Grant Amen right now. I kind of learned that on the coaching front because I would literally just mirror Mike. So if he went on one side of the field, I went on the other. Basically so that I, I just didn't get yelled at. You know, everybody talks about, you know, um, about the, the Michigan State head basketball coach. Um, getting on his players, um, you know, uh, we, we all kind of grew up with people getting on us. And even as assistant coaches, you would, you would get it. Um, but Mike Walbogle taught me lacrosse like none other. Um, I learned how to create an environment, um, a defense, um, learn how to let defense dictate the, the way that your team is going to play. Um, and so my uh, Ivy League flashback has a lot to do with my Yale days and, and the great Mike Walbogle. You got any, any good stories on him? I, uh, yeah, many good stories about Mike Waldvogel. Um, but I, I agree 100% with you. Coaching with him, for him, was probably the greatest thing any young coach could go through. You know, you, you, could, you could put anything to him and he would um, have an answer in how you become successful in managing those situations. The thing that sticks out for me, I coached with, I was lucky enough to coach with him for three years. And the thing that I learned best from him, which really opened my eyes, is was on the defensive end. I coached the offense at Yale, and he coached the defense. And, you know, we'd go back and forth, you know, on, the, on, on certain things all the time. And, you know, the thing that he liked to do, which, which I've stolen and I love, is I was always under the impression that you took your best defenseman and you put him on your best player and, you know, you're the other team's best player and you kind of look to see who won that battle. And back when I coached with him in, I think it was 98, 99, and 2000, we had a defenseman actually from New Canaan, Connecticut, believe it or not, Donnie Gurney. Don Gurney. Who was undersized but was just a pit bull. And he, I think he led the country in ground balls and he may have led the country and caused turnovers as well. And he was about five, eight, uh, you know, 150 pounds. I mean, he was fast and he was really tough and competitive. But where Mike played him was the best. What he would do is he would zone up Donnie Gurney so that Donnie Gurney always played inside to start. And when teams would dodge from wherever they would dodge from, what coach would do is he would shut off the dodge side outlet, slide early with Donnie Gurney, and then scrape the original on-ball defender back into the crease and then scrape out to the least dangerous guy. And what this did is it always allowed our best player, Donnie Gurney, our fast pole, to always end up on the dodger as the dodger was running away from the double team, essentially away from the goal. 
and it 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 just created so many uncomfortable scenarios for the offenses that in hindsight it's not shocking at all to see why Donnie Gurney again led the country in in cause turnovers and, and ground balls. You know, he would he 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 just created such a great way to utilize one defenseman. And we had some good defensemen, but we didn't have anybody like that kid. And he learned basically what I learned is how to take, you know, one great defenseman and have him create a really, really great team defense around one guy, you know, and certainly he was able to utilize the strengths of those Yale players. You know, let's face it. They're arguably the smartest of the smart people. And, uh, you know, he was able to utilize those brains and, and some, some super talented traits from a great player and, and create a really good defense. And so he, he, he's uh, one of the all-time greatest minds in the sport, right? No doubt. Love the guy. Um, so let's, let's, let's move to our Oxia Time Ivy League Player of the Week. I'm going with Yale's goalie, Jack Starr. Yale's, Yale's goalie situation has, has, has sort of been looked at as not a, a major strength. But, and this week, in a, in a huge win against Princeton, in which Princeton um, really gave them everything they could handle for, for three quarters, uh, he comes through with 16 saves and only 10 goals allowed. And honestly, I feel like with the faceoffs, you know, you could have gone – we, we, we could have gone uh, with, with – Yale's faceoff guy, he won 21 of 28 faceoffs. I mean, we could give it to him every single week. But, but if they're going to get saves and they're going to win faceoffs and they've got one of the most athletic, well-coached teams in the country, they're going to have a chance to go back-to-back national championships. They are. My, my Ivy League Player of the Week, uh, I see a time, Ivy League Player of the Week is Yale's goalie, Jack Starr. Uh, for me, I'm going to uh, the game up at Ithaca. And my Oxia time, Player of the Week, I go to the Penn Quakers, number three, Tyler Dunn. Five goals, one assist for six points. Uh, I believe he also had the game-winning assist with 17 seconds left, feeding Adam Goldner on the backside. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Uh, not confirmed, but either way, six points in an unbelievable win up at Ithaca, which we know getting off the bus, you're down by three or four goals for Penn to – rally back from what I believe was a 7-2 deficit at one point and eventually win a one-goal game to go 2-0 and and be tied for first place in the league with Yale, um, setting up a huge, huge, huge game that I think is in – is this game in is this game in Philadelphia this weekend versus Yale? I think it is. I think Yale comes to Penn this weekend in the battle of – the two first place teams in the Ivy League at two and out, two and out. Penn, no, Penn's at home. Yeah, Penn's at home, but Yale's going to Philly. Yeah, Yale's going to Philly. Going to Philly again. This is the I, I think that Yale wins the game, but Kyle Gallagher for Penn needs to needs to really compete, and I think he's going to compete. But I also said that about our series, and Ireland destroyed him. Um, you know, but if Penn can get to if Penn can get to 45% plus on the faceoffs, they're going to have a shot to win the game. I don't think they will. I think Ireland's going to, going to win the game. I, th- I think he's going to beat them up like he does everybody every time. And if, if Yale goes and they win, you know, 65% plus at the X, they're, they're going to have too much for Penn. But 
you know, we'll, we'll see. That's going to be a point of the game that's going to be real interesting to see. Because I think Penn can score goals on Yale. And yeah. – uh, but, but they can't they can't lose that many face-offs and expect to win this game because Yale doesn't beat itself. So if you're interested in these timepieces, oxiatime.com. Use the coupon code BRUNO100, B-R-U-N-O number 100, and you'll get $100 off. Um, I think if you do your homework on this, you're going to find it's about a $5,000 watch for less than 1000 Um, It's just a substantial watch. It feels awesome. It looks awesome. You've got a classy logo of your Ivy League school, and um, it's something that um, it'd be an awesome graduation present. Uh, check it out. We're really appreciative of Oxia Time and John Canaris for sponsoring us, and uh, I think you guys should really check it out. Um, so, Andy, last segment here. Let's just go through some picks uh, for the week. You ready? Great. Harvard, Albany. Albany. Virginia, Richmond. Virginia. High Point, Furman. High Point. Syracuse, Notre Dame. That's in South Bend. I think think Notre Dame comes back. I'm going to take Notre Dame. Ohio State, Rutgers. Ohio State. Bucknell, Army. Army. Sorry, Rodney. Princeton, Brown. Brown. Penn, Yale. Yale. This is a big one right here. Denver, Georgetown. Denver. Carolina, Duke. Duke. Michigan, Hopkins. Hopkins. And maybe the game of the weekend that I can't wait to watch is the Maryland-Penn State game on Sunday, 7 p.m., Sunday night lacrosse. Wow. So the question I would have is, you know, what's the deal with Grant? Grant, amen. Um, with that said, I think Penn State's going to have a lot more trouble stopping Maryland than Maryland is going to have stopping Penn State. I think that uh, I think they're probably a wash in the goal. I think they're a wash at the X. I think Maryland's offense is great, and I think Penn State's offense is great, but I think Maryland's defense is better than Penn State's, and I think that's going to be the difference in the game, and I'm going to take Maryland to win the game. All right. Well, we'll check it out. Thanks, everybody, for uh, joining us. Thank you, Andy, for uh, jumping on the in-season podcast for week seven. Have a great week, and we'll catch up later. The Phil Lacrosse Podcast is brought to you in part by the JM3 Lacrosse Academy. This 10-week online program is designed to teach cutting-edge lacrosse skills and IQ. Athletes will learn dozens of new techniques, creative drills, X's and O's, and most importantly, how to integrate it all into their game. To learn more or start getting better today, go to www.jm3sports.com forward slash academy.